Hello, friends. I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like to read from the book of John, chapter 5. Can you guys bring me down a little bit more? Um, John chapter 5, and this is week number 5 of this series, Experiencing God. And, and, and the way I see this is it's, a, it's like a three-layer series. So the first four weeks was one layer. Today we're going to start a new layer. That would be the next four weeks. And then there's another layer. So it's a 12-week series, three layers, three floors, three levels, whatever you want to call it. It's like three tiers, you know. Um, Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, mind, body, and soul, whatever you want to call it, it's three. We're going for three. Uh, there's a powerful thing about the number three in scriptures, but I'm not going to go into that today. Um, but John chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 17, and I got to give you a context here of, of the scripture because we're kind of picking up a story in the middle of a story. It's like walking into a movie that's already started. Um, nothing worse than walking into a movie that's already started. Uh, and, then, and then nothing worse than walking in with a movie with someone who asks a ton of questions. Well, that person is just like, what just happened? You know, no, don't go in there. You know, you ever go to movies? That's why I like to go to movies by myself. That's the best movie experience. I'm not a loner. I just like to enjoy my movie by myself. You know, but this is kind of like that. And so I have to kind of give you a little bit of a context here. This is Jesus just healed a man who was crippled for 38 years. The Bible was specific about it. Give you 38 years that this man was crippled and Jesus happened to be walking through this place, decided to zero in, which is amazing. There's a lot of people sick around this man. Jesus zero in on this one man. Just that in itself will preach. Uh, Jesus zeroed in (laughs) on one man. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Happy Saturday. Jesus zero in on this one man, right? There's a lot of people sick around this man, but Jesus zero in on one of them, right? For 38 years, this man has been crippled going to this place, and Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Which sounds like a really dumb question. If you've been crippled for 38 years, do you want to get well? What kind of question is that? Why would Jesus ask someone if they want to get well? Well, he's Jesus, so I don't think he asked dumb questions. I think sometimes we might be, you know, too comfortable in our dysfunction, and we don't want no one to touch us. <laughs> you know, this guy might be like, yo, every day they pick me up, they bring me here, I'm chilling, they bring me food to eat, I'm, I'm just hanging out, you know, do I want to get well, do I want to get out of welfare? No, I, why would I? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm in a good place. I mean, I'm not talking, about, I'm talking about the man back <laughs> 2,000 years ago. Um, so Jesus says, do you want to get well? And instead of saying yes or no, he tells you Jesus all the reasons why he's not well, which is interesting, it's what we do sometimes, right? We, 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 a direct question is asked to us, do you want to get well? We're like, yeah, but the thing is, the way my crippleness is set up, <laughs> the way my dysfunction is set up, you know, and, 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 but anyways, Jesus bypasses all that, heals the man, but he happened to heal the man on a Sabbath, right? A Sabbath in the Jewish tradition was a sacred day of rest, okay? A Saturday it was a day to just 
do nothing, right? It would start at sundown on Friday, and it would go down to sundown on Saturday. And so Jesus healed this man on the day that they're just supposed to be resting, doing absolutely nothing. And because of that, religious people had a problem with this. The religious leaders were like, who healed you? Which is so interesting, right? They didn't, they didn't say, praise God, you're healed. They said, who healed you on a Sabbath? Isn't it interesting when you're not in tune with God, you miss the work of God in the name of God? Oh, that's already too deep for Saturday. That's already too much. Um, but here are the people that are supposed to represent God, opposing the work of God in the name of a tradition of God. Are you following? Right? And so they're upset that Jesus healed this man. They don't rejoice that the man is healed. They're upset that the man was healed on a Sabbath. Okay, so this is where we're picking up the story, uh, and then we'll fill in. John chapter 5, verse 17. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders try all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. We talked about this last week. He's not just a moral teacher. He is God. He's equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can't do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son, shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Drops the mic, walks away. <laughs> Last week we talked about becoming God's servant and that Jesus is our greatest example of what it means to be the servant of God. And that he willingly gave his life for us and he submitted himself to the will of God even though he was equal with God. And so... Once we embrace that as followers of Jesus, we also become God's servant. And God wants us to be part of the mission, which is to rescue more people. Can you say amen? And so when, once you become God's servant, now you become aware of what God is doing. Once you become God's servant, once you are now live in your life in full submission to his will, then you become aware of what God is is doing. And when you are aware of what God is doing, you join him. You join what he is doing. Are you following so far? So think about that, right? Jesus heals a man on a day that they believe was not supposed to happen. Because they were more concerned with a tradition that they were concerned with the voice of God. Did you know this, that we could be more committed to a dead tradition, that we can be committed to the spirit of the living God that is flowing right in front of our faces, and we can miss it because we've been doing tradition for so long that God will hit us in his face. We can't even recognize that he was God that hit us in the face. Now, tradition, if you're taking notes tonight, traditions and rituals were meant to point this to God. They're not supposed to be the point. 
Traditions are meant to point us to God. Again, the Sabbath, what was the point of it? It's to say you got to stop and rest to realize that you're not God. That God is in control, that he gives you life, that he gives you rest, that he's the one that supplies all your needs. And so you need to slow down once in a while to recognize where your blessings come from. That your blessings doesn't come from your hands. It doesn't come from your effort. It doesn't come from just you. It comes from the almighty maker. So he said, take the Sabbath and rest and remember who I am. Right? But the point is, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for the man, not the man for the Sabbath. Traditions were made for us to see God, not traditions for us to be doing traditions for the sake of doing tradition. Can I bring it a little bit closer to home? Sometimes we go to church, we don't even ask the question, why are we going to church? It's a tradition to go to church, but why is it that we go to church? People baptize their kids but never ask the question, why am I baptizing this kid? It's a tradition that's been passed down to me, but what is the point of the tradition if it's not pointing me to the God that created the traditions in the first place? Because I could be in the house of God, but miss God because I'm doing tradition, but I'm not doing God. So, so this is why Jesus is saying, my father is always working. You're focusing on outward, external things. God is more concerned with the flow of his spirit and what he's trying to do in people's lives. We can punch in and punch out of a church without ever touching the hems of his garments. Remember, that woman who was sick with the issue of blood was in a crowd. But only her, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, who do you mean would touch you? There's a tons of people around you. But, you know, no, he said, someone touched me with faith. Come on. Some are around me because it's ritual, it's tradition. But some are around me because they know the power that comes from being with me and the power that comes from touching me. And when they touch me, there's, a, there's an exchange that happens. I take your sickness, I bring you my healing. Be careful that you don't fall in love with tradition. Some people won't step into this church because of tradition. Because they grew up in a certain church. And therefore, they can only step into certain churches. But that's tradition. You can step into a building all day long and miss the God of the tradition. Are you following tonight? And we say things like, it's how we always done it. But could it be that we could be doing something but not necessarily doing God's will? Could it be that you always done things a certain way, but maybe God is up to something new and different? Oh, if you do that, you'll break tradition. Could it be that God wants us to break tradition? Could it be that God maybe is saying, I'm up to new, something new because the scripture says, I'm doing a new thing? He says, and then he goes on to say, do you perceive it? In other words, can you sense it? Can you see that I am doing a new thing? Don't get so caught up on how I used to do it because I'm God. I may do it differently than I did last time. I see you do it. You'll do it again, but he may not do it the same way he did it last time. That's good. So they're like, how can you break tradition? Because tradition was made to point us to God, not to be the point itself. Are you following so far? Listen, doing religious things based on tradition alone, sooner or later will become empty and boring and shallow. It may keep the family together, but it won't bring life. It may 
keep people from feeling weird about you, but it doesn't mean it's producing life in you. Sometimes people won't try something new because they're worried about who, how, what, are you, what's, what's, what are they going to think about this? Isn't that amazing? We're 35 years old, but we still focus on peer pressure. <laughs> We've had people get baptized. They're like, I can't tell my whole family that I got baptized. Because tradition, right? Tradition is dead if it doesn't point you to God. That's the whole point. Jesus said, I'm only doing what the Father is doing. The Father created Sabbath for a reason. But also the Father created Sabbath because he cares about people, not because he cares about the Sabbath. You catch that? There's people around who have needs, but I won't meet that need because tradition says I'm not supposed to on this day. The half-brother of Jesus, James, goes on to put it this way. He says, if you see a brother in need and you walk by him and you go, God bless you. He's like, you didn't do God's will if you didn't take care of that brother. You said the tradition, oh, God bless you, but you didn't do the God bless you. <laughs> right? Because religious jargon sounds really good. But I, I believe sometimes the more our language becomes religious, the less human it becomes. The less real it becomes. If I can't touch that brother who is hungry and in need, then I haven't touched the hand of God. And I don't have the heart of God for the sake of tradition. Are you following? It's amazing how many people will be stuck in a tradition for years just because it's tradition. But miss the heart of God. See, tonight... The focus is that when you are God's servant, then you become aware of what God is up to. And we have the conviction that God is up to something all the time. Even as I speak, God is up to something. Even as I speak, I believe like he has a way of communicating what he's trying to get to you in a unique way. Right? And Jesus said, I'm only doing what the Father was doing. In other words, remember, on earth, he is in the flesh, and he's like, all I do is follow the Father through the Spirit. That's all Jesus says he came to do. I came to follow the will of the Father by the Spirit. So if, you, if you're paying attention tonight, this is how the Trinity works. It's one God working together as a unit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always working together. And he calls you and me into that relationship. He says, I want you guys to become part of how we operate. I'm asking you to join us on this thing, that you don't do this on your own. We do this together. We are invited into this relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? It's the most mysterious, complex thing about Christianity. It's the most powerful thing at the same time. How can God be three in one at the same time? Well, let me try to, to, to do my best to open this up for us. But if we truly understand it, then we don't understand God. <laughs> Watch this, right? This is how it kind of works, right? The Father gives the assignment. Jesus shows us how to do it. The Spirit empowers us to get it done. Can you just leave that up there for a little bit? Okay, this is how the Trinity works. Okay, the Father gives the assignment. Jesus shows us how to do it. The Spirit comes to empower us to get it done. Jesus says, you won't do jack without the Spirit. Like Jesus says, you can do a lot of things and accomplish absolutely nothing without the Spirit. You can do a lot of tradition 
and have absolutely no sense of what the Spirit is doing. You can go to church for 50 years straight and still miss the Spirit. If you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, you're not in tune with God. Because that's how it works. Right? And so if you really understand this, right, God is saying, I'm already at work. The key is, are you paying attention? Are you following my lead? Are you following the prompting of where I'm trying to take you? Because I might get you to disrupt some things that have been the norm. Tradition is the norm. Maybe I'm asking you to do things that might be abnormal to others, but it's normal to us. This is why we call this a new normal. The new normal is to be in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. The new normal is to be in tune with what God is doing right in the middle of us. Because God may go to a place, it might be a lot of people crippled, but God's concerned with one that day. That's why we say go for the one, right? We sang this today. Did you catch it? He leaves the 99. He goes after the one. So what is God up to is what we need to be asking ourselves. What is God up to right now in my circle? See, when, once you embrace the will of God, your life is a ministry unto God. It's not church is a ministry. No, your life becomes a ministry unto God. Not just to God, but to people. Because he said, I want you to love God and love people. See, Jesus is our example. So you have to look to Jesus if you want to see God. Right? The whole point, he says, hey, I came in the flesh so you can have a tangible example of what he looks like and what he feels like. Right? So for three years, Jesus showed us how to do this. For three years, he had a public ministry. Which, by the way, it blows my mind. The Son of God had to wait until God said, go public. Do you know how many people have done things prematurely because God never said go? There are a lot of churches who have been birthed prematurely in short circuit in the process. Right? Just because you have an itch doesn't mean God said, I green light that. Hello, somebody. Right? And just because it's a good itch, it doesn't mean it's a godly itch. When we talk about church today, itching. I'm itching. So much so, you know what the scripture says? The scripture says, there comes a point where people will have itchy ears. They want to gather around people who will tell them what they want to hear. As opposed to actually want to do the will of God. I didn't make this up. Go read your Bible. So if you're feeling itchy tonight, you better start asking the question, is this God or do I need to say, get behind me, Satan? Like, this ain't an itch from God. I need to discern. I need to discern. Just because it's a good itch doesn't mean it's a godly itch. See, three years, he was very strategic about what he did. This is where it, it, Jesus fascinates me because here's the Son of God who is in charge of saving the world but doesn't do everything. Wouldn't you think that Jesus' schedule would be the most busiest schedule on the face of the planet? Like, if you have to save the world, you should be working 24 hours a day. Some of us are more busy than Jesus. Accomplishing absolutely nothing. (laughs) 
Right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I've been convicted with this thing about being busy. People always tell me, I know you're busy. But it's like, I, I don't want you to know me like that. Every time someone talks to me, it's like, I know you're busy. That's the first thing. I know you're busy. It's like, I didn't tell you I'm busy. <laughs> you just assume that I am. Right? Every time. Every time I get an email, pastor, I know you're busy. It's like, what, did I wear that something? Like, <laughs> right? Does my phone say I'm busy? Call me later. <laughs> you know? But busy, listen, I used to think younger, I used to think the more busy I am, the more spiritual I am. What a lie. Because he has said Jesus, the son of God, was strategic and he took naps. You shouldn't take naps. You're the son of God. I didn't make this up. The disciples like, yo, why are you taking a nap? We're dying. <laughs> Go read it, right? He wakes up from the nap. He goes, ah, oh, you a little faith. When? Stop. <laughs> it's almost like he was aggravated. Like, stop. Can I go back to my nap now? You know, like Jesus was strategic. So strategic. Watch this, right? 80% of Jesus' ministry took place in one region. Doesn't make sense. Shouldn't he go everywhere? 80% of Jesus' ministry was one region from Nazareth to Capernaum. Basically, that was it. If you look at the map, one region. And back in those days, you had to walk. So going from one place to another could take days. But if you look at this thing, like we would cover that in one hour if we had something to drive with other than a donkey. You know what I'm saying? But isn't that fascinating? The Son of God was so strategic because he wanted to be where God was at work. Not about doing everything. It was about doing what is God up to. That is so good, church. Listen, write this down. Recognizing where is God working and following him will bring great reward, joy, and peace. If we can recognize where God is working and we're working in that, then there's peace there. There's joy there. Because the, the, the think about this, right? The other option is to just try to hit something. And be frustrated all the time. Right? Isn't it what happens sometimes? We want something to happen so bad, we're just doing a bunch of stuff. And not asking God ever, like, hello, what are you? God's like, are you going to ask me for directions? Especially us guys, we'll just, we'll just keep driving. No word of a lie. One time a friend of mine, we were supposed to meet in New Hampshire. He ended up in Canada. At the border of Canada. Because wow. guys will keep driving. Right? Instead of asking, maybe we're lost. It's been a while. It's four in the morning. Please catch this tonight, church. When it comes to understanding what God is up to, when it comes to doing the will of God, less is more. Because we can force something as opposed to being in that sweet spot with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. Now, I, this is going to be one you're going to have to wrestle with. There's a difference between perseverance and stubbornness. There's a time to persevere in something, but then there's time you're just being stubborn. Right? The Bible says we're supposed to be forcefully advancing the kingdom, but it is the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be pushing us. 
towards whatever it is that we're supposed to be advancing. As opposed to forcing something that's not there. See, if you force it, it won't stick. I think I'm preaching really good tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You, You ever try to do a puzzle, but the piece won't fit? But you try and... And you're like, I did it, but you're like, yeah, but it doesn't look right. (laughs) If you force it, it won't fit. When it comes to doing the will of God, less is more. Now, when I say less is more, I need us to catch this. Less is more. It does not mean this. It's not smaller. Because sometimes we settle for small-mindedness. Small-mindedness and less is more. It's two different things. Actually, less is more means there's more meaning. And greater impact. This is, it's important we understand this. Because sometimes I've seen church trying to do too much and having zero impact. Open from Monday through Sunday, but with zero impact. Sometimes it's better to be open one day a week and have some kind of lasting impact than to be open Monday through Sunday with no fruits. People going to church Monday through Sunday, and then you look at their lives, you're like, what the heck? Where's the, where's the beef? Are you tracking? Yeah. Right? Less is more means focused ministry. Focused energy. Focused solutions. Focused. Right? This is why we always say we have a menu, and that's it. We have to stick to that menu. You ever been to a restaurant that has a hundred things on the menu? Those are the worst restaurants you will ever go to. You go to restaurants that have five items. You know what you're going to get because they're focused in the back on those five items. They're going to get it right. Church, we need to get it right. We need a few things. Get it right. I'll take something from page 59. Now the guys in the back go, what was 59 again? You ever try You ever see... (laughs) We were on vacation. I saw this thing. I was dying. I saw a shoe. I'm not making this up. I saw a shoe, a pair of shoes. It was Goodyear. It's like Goodyear makes tires. <laughs> How in the world is a pair of shoes named Goodyear? How many sneakers do you think they sold? Probably negative 10. Get this tonight. When you're following Jesus, there's a lane for you. And you stay in that lane, and you ride that lane, and you focus on that lane, and you pursue that lane, and you don't stop on everybody else's lane because you know this is it. This is my flow. This is my vein. This is my calling. This is my ministry. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it the best way I possibly can. Uh, Sometimes you you see companies doing things. You're like, you guys don't do that? Since when? Right? That's why best companies will always have a few items, and they keep making those items better and better and better and better and better. They'll, they'll keep tweaking that item until it becomes an excellent item. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us with ministry. It's not about doing everything that shows up at the door. It's what is God's will. Here's the Son of God. Don't only do a few things. He goes to this place to heal people. There's a hundred people around him. He's like, today's your day. Does that make sense? If he's a politician, what's he doing? How you 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 doing? Where's the baby? How you doing? 
right? Less is more. In other words, Jesus teaches us that it's about quality over quantity. It's focused. The other day, someone was asking me, so how, how do you prioritize? Well, you say a lot of no's. So you can say yes to what's priority. I say no to good things all the time. Because if I say yes to that, I just said no to something that's priority. Don't you know every time you say yes, you said no to something? Every time you said no, you said yes to something. Are you, are you tracking? Right? There's something for us to do, but not everything is for us to do. There's somewhere for us to be, but it's not everywhere for us to be. I tell the young ones all the time, you guys that are preparing for ministry, learn to say no. If you want the will of God, if you want the anointing of God, right, when your friends are going out on a Friday, Saturday night, learn to say no because what you're doing is you're containing your anointing. And when it's time for him to raise you up, he's got someone he can say, come on, you're next. Because I've seen it. I've seen it. It's about focus. When the world is wild now, you stay focused. God's like, I know who I can call on. Come on, you're up. Isn't that the key? It's staying ready for my moment, whatever that moment is. Listen, I, I pray tonight, you catch this, right, that God is at work already. All you got to do is ask him, God, what are you up to in these areas? Let me just make it practical. God, what are you up to in my family? What are you up to in my job? I'm excited to show you our latest video project that we, we recorded yesterday. We went to a, to a salon from one of our ladies who owns a salon here. And we, 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 we talked about how this woman, in her job, leads people to Jesus. And then we had proof. Some woman came to say, I want to share my story, how she has blessed me at her job as, a, as an air stylist. I can sit here and she has blessed my life. She's prayed for me. She's cried with me. She has blessed me. Why? Because here's someone who said, I'm here, God. And God's like, we're going to work. As opposed to, I'm here. Next. Next. And we're like, where's God? Well, God's like, yo, can we work together? At my school. Think about this, students. You spend more time with people at your school than you spend with your parents. Shouldn't God be using you there? You sit in the same algebra class for 182 days. Could we ever ask, perhaps, that God has a plan for me to be sitting here for 182 days? Can I produce some kind of fruit in 182 days? Or is it going to be 102 days of complaining that I'm here? Some of us are like, God, use me. But you sit in a cubicle next to the same people every single day for 40 hours a week. Maybe God is saying, pay attention. I'm trying to use you exactly where you are. He's like, I want more. But you can't handle five people. Five. He said, if you can be faithful in the little, maybe I can give you more. And let's start with five. You got a small group of four. You, do you know what those four are? If you don't spend time really invested in those four, how is God going to trust you with eight? 
Don't you know four could be the potential of a whole transformation that can take place? God, what are you up to at my church? Because it's not just about showing up. God, you brought me to this community for a reason. Deeper than just me, me in a religious quota. What are you up to? Because we can be in a community and miss the point. Why we're there in the first place. And then, well, God, what are you up to in me? If you ever pay attention to the rumblings of the Holy Spirit, which usually starts with some kind of discomfort. Like, I don't mean like intestine dysfunction. I mean like soul discomfort. Do you ever feel soul discomfort? Like something needs to change. That's how it usually starts. That's how it usually starts. Pay attention. God is already at work. Question is, are you being spirit-led? Because the spirit, Jesus said, is like the wind. You don't see the wind. Have you ever grabbed the wind? Did you be my wind? We'll be friends forever. The wind comes and goes. Right? Look what Jesus says about the spirit. Look, he said, he said this, the wind blows wherever it wants. So you can't control it. You can't say this is tradition. Well, you can have tradition. You miss the wind. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how, a per, a per, a, how people are born of the spirit. God gets a hold of you and he's like, now nah, let's go on a journey. The key is to go. Where are we today? Where, where are we going? Because sometimes here's what I find. It's the interruptions that brings us God. It's the discomfort. It's amazing to me, church. We can be in church and miss it. Because we, all we did was the tradition thing. I had this thought today before I came to church. Could it be that a lot of times we have everything and everyone we need around us, but we don't recognize it? Because we're always thinking it's somewhere else. Could it be we already have everything we need? One time a young kid like blew my mind with this revelation. The kid was 14 years old when I was teaching in high school. You know what he told me one day? We were walking back from chapel. We would have chapel every week. And sometimes I would teach. Sometimes we have guest preachers preach. And, and, and I was their counselor, you know, psychiatrist, you know, whatever I need to be. <laughs> this kid, 14 years old, blew my mind. I never forgot it. We're walking back. He goes, Pastor Marco, tell you something. So you know what you should do? You should just have guest speakers come in, give them your notes, and let them preach your notes. And then everybody will go, wow, that's amazing. Because he's like, the truth is, you tell us the same thing every single day. But because we're here, we don't pay attention to it. Because we think it's got to be some high, mighty person to come outside to come tell us what we need to hear. <laughs> I was like, you're 14. You get it. You get it. Because he's like, why is everybody going, wow. He's like, we hear that stuff every day from you. But sometimes we think we need a, a name person. That makes it more amazing. The truth is filled with gold. 
Could it be that God already positioned people around you, all the right people, all the right connections, all the right relationships, all the right things for you to flourish exactly where you are? Pay attention to where you are already. Listen, I'm going to end here. God will do it again. You guys can come on. God will do it again, but here's the thing. He may not do it exactly the same way he did it last time. So don't fall in love with the experience. Fall in love with God. People have been to church one week, they're like, I felt goosebumps. It was amazing. The next week you didn't feel goosebumps. God is not a goosebump. God is God. Last week I cried. This week, no tears. Well, maybe God's like, I don't, you don't need tears today. I need you to come and follow me by faith today. Don't fall in love with an experience. Fall in love with God. Last time you prayed, there was a check in the mail. This time it's like, I want you to get a second job. <laughs> oh man, I think I messed up all your theology today. Maybe God's like, I need you to be more disciplined with your money. So no check is coming this time. He, he will do it again. He just may not look the same. God is still at work. All over. I would challenge you, don't watch the news that you watch on TV. Go watch real news. God's working everywhere. Especially in the Middle East, the place that no one thinks God will work. There's revivals happening in the Middle East. Muslims are not coming to faith by hundreds. They're coming by thousands to Jesus in the Middle East. Go pay attention. God is working. And I don't know if you've caught lately, but God is working here in this place. Every single week, God is working right in this place. So don't tell me you need to be somewhere else. Maybe you need to just pay attention. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. He said, he was saying is, are your spiritual antennas up to pick up the frequency of my will? You ever play with the radio? Try to get the right frequency and you miss by a bit. Yeah! Ah! You ever been there when you're like, man, I need to hear this? Ah! Sometimes that's how it is with the Spirit of God. It's like, it's weaving and it's like, you know what? I believe this with all my heart. God plays tag with you. He wants to see how bad do you want it. He's like, come get me. Let me see how bad do you want me. Because the Bible says those who come to him with all their hearts will certainly find him. But you got to come with all your heart. You will certainly find God when you seek him with everything that you have. God is already working. So let me give you some practical things that get out of your way. Listen, you got to learn to create space and time to hear God. God is working. You just got to learn to create the space and time to, 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 to fine-tune the voice. So you can be like, okay, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Put yourself in situations to be used by God. Here's, here's another interesting one, right? Put yourself in situations to be used by God. Let me give you a perfect example. Serve the city this Saturday. The only way God's going to use you, if you're there. <laughs> I'll be there in spirit. Well, not there. <laughs> Grow track is coming up for some of y'all. You've been here, but have you gotten involved? Only God's going to use you when you put yourself in position to be used. You can't pray, God, I need a job. Put your feet up and watch TV. Come on. That's good. Because God's like, are we going? 
Where's the resume? Which places are we hitting today? Put yourself in situations for God to use you. Right? And then just be available and pay attention. If you're paying attention, I believe he's already spoken to you today. He's already spoken to you today. Some of you, very specifically, God is giving you like direct things. As we're speaking, God's like, this is what I want you to do. And some of you, God's like, this is what I want you to stop doing. Come on, come on. That's true. Hello, somebody. Right? Because, because it won't give you another one until you obey that one. That's how it goes. My time is up. Stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. I mean, this Saturday night. I'm already on tomorrow. God, what are we doing tomorrow? We're coming to church. We're going to preach this again. Hopefully better in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands with me? Let's pray together. Would you receive today that God will do it again? Yes. But he won't do it the same way. Perhaps he's already at work. You just need to pay attention. What is God's will for me? It's probably right in front of you already. Most likely, it's already in front of you. But you'll focus on tradition. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Would you pray with me tonight? Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we, we invite you to come and just confirm your word. Confirm your truth. Let your Holy Spirit lead the way. We've seen you move. We know you can move mountains. But Lord, show us what you're doing right in front of us. Show us that maybe you're going to do it differently this time. God, help us to be flexible and move with your spirit. When you say move, we'll move. When you say stop, we'll stop. When you say go, we'll go. When you say speak, we'll speak. When you say apply, we'll apply. When you say leave, we'll leave. When you say serve, we'll serve. When you say give, we'll give. When you say bless, we'll bless. When you say heal, we'll heal. Lord, whatever your will is, we're saying yes this morning, this, this afternoon, this evening, this Saturday, this life. Come on, let's lift that up today. I want to thank you for listening today. And I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.